It's Two Brain Radio. Every week, we'll deliver top-shelf tactics to help you improve your fitness business and move you closer to wealth. And now, here's your host, the most interesting man in fitness, Chris Cooper. This episode is brought to you by Liquid State Design. Is it worth it to outsource your programming? And when I started TwoBrainBusiness.com, TwoBrainCoaching.com, I built these sites myself from scratch because I wasn't satisfied with what else was out there. It's important to know how to build a website yourself. It's important to know how to change your own oil. It's important to know how to rotate your own tires. But the value of your time is what's most important. I'm not a graphic designer. I'm not a website designer. And so I trust Liquid State Design to take care of all this stuff for me. Check them out. Talk to Teresa. They do some pretty amazing work. And a lot of Two Brain Gyms are already using them to huge advantage in their local market. Good morning, everyone. This is Two Brain Radio. I'm Chris Cooper. And yes, that is a crackling fire in the background. It is almost April, but it's still a snow-covered paradise up here in northern Ontario. And I need to do 17.5 in my home gym today. That means I need some warmth. 40 years, 41 years, 42, whatever it is now might have brought me a little bit of wisdom, but it's also brought me the need to warm up a lot more than it did when I was 30. Today, we're going to be going through a Q&A, and I admit it's been overdue. This is a, an episode I like to do about every three to six months, but we've been so busy producing content and working on stuff at Two Brain, expanding the Two Brain family, that I really let this one lag, so I apologize for the wait. We have a pretty long list of emails that we get after every show, that we get through questions through my email address, but also on my books, on my audio books, uh, through this podcast, through our website, on the free consultations that we still do a thousand calls later. And I want to make sure that I give my attention to some of these because they're really, really good. I won't cover the same questions that I've covered in previous episodes, but I will link back to those. So if you have a question that you think other people share, go ahead and listen to those Q&A episodes too. One of the best questions that I got was from a podcast episode a few weeks ago where I mentioned that there are things I wish I had updated in Two Brain Business when I published the audiobook. And somebody wrote in and said, what are these things that are no longer correct or you wish had been updated? Because the original Two Brain Business, although it's the best-selling fitness business book of all time, it was written starting in 2009 and finally published in 2012. There are some things that have changed in the CrossFit community since then. There are other things that apply more broadly to business in general and other things that have really niched down to not really being relevant anymore. So I want to take a second to address those things. The question was looking for specifics. And when I made the comment, I was really thinking about one or two things. The first was Open Gym. A lot of people read the original Two Brain Business and said, if I want to make more money, I need to add Open Gym. I need to charge for it. So I just want to get that clear, that my first iteration of offering an Open Gym service was actually a mistake. I thought if I let people just buy access to my facility for 40 bucks a month, they'll see the value of my coaching because I'll be coaching other people beside them and they'll want to upgrade. If I had a low barrier to entry option, a low price option, they would see all my other options and want to upgrade. This didn't actually prove true. Even though I'd already been coaching for well over a decade by that point, people always overestimated how much they knew and how little they actually needed help, how little they needed coaching. This is really important now because as lower price options enter our target audience, you know, people are selling access to bumper plates now and people have gymnastics rings in global gyms. We can't win that battle of selling access. 
we have to compete on coaching. And that means we have to charge a much higher price point. We can't compete on price either. It means that we have to coach the heck out of everybody. It also means we have to know exactly what our client's goals are and the map to get them there. We can't just be selling access to group classes because that's the next tier. We are looking at a competitive marketplace that has commoditized intensity. Orange Theory sells intensity better than you ever will. We have a two-brain family and we work together to uh, form best practices, to co-promote, to raise our standards, to share SOPs. But the fact is, You and I, friend, are out there alone. We do not have a giant brand behind us. We are licensees of the CrossFit brand, still the most powerful brand in the world, but we don't share the advertising. We don't share the best practices across all gyms. Orange Theory has a giant scoreboard. Their bathrooms are always clean. Their instructors wear the same t-shirts all the time. And to the consumer, this looks like maybe it's a safer option. It's certainly an easier option to understand. And that usually will lead to a purchase decision. So I don't want to sell access because we can't compete on access. We have to compete based on -on one-on-one coaching. That is the first thing that I would update from Two Brain Business if I was going to do a rewrite now. One thing that I would not update or change is my recommendation that your staff are primarily contractors instead of employees. I know this takes a lot of heat and I know there are some well-regarded features even some friends of mine who say that if they're coaching for you, they are employees. Most accountants like to play it safe. And so they're going to say the same thing to you. They don't want to testify on your behalf. But when you come to an actual expert like John Briggs at Insight Tax, who was in the IRS, in the labor department, and now helps CrossFit gyms work through this stuff. And he tells me, No, they're contractors. They're not employees. And then he shoots a 30-minute video for members of the Two Brain family explaining the difference and how your contracts have to be set up and then helps us put our contracts together to make sure of that. That's a guy I'm going to lean on. I'm a Canadian. It is easier in Canada to have contractors instead of employees than it is in the States. But even in the States, if you do it right, Most of your part-time coaches should be contractors, not employees. In fact, if you're not carefully considering both sides here, you could be opening up these people who are helping you to a tax liability by calling them employees. So just be very, very careful of that and do a lot of research. Don't take the first source for granted. Question authority. Question me. You don't like what you read in the book? Ask your accountant, but then ask somebody else too. Another big question that I got this week, and this was following the OPEX podcast, is why do I always say, ask your clients what they want, instead of saying, here's how to give your clients what they need? And this is something that I've learned the hard way. I wish that I still had all of my old websites on display so that everybody could see all the mistakes that I've made in the past. My very first content that I ever published, I'll talk more about content later, was published on T Nation. And they actually paid me for the article. It was a total gift. The article was garbage. Uh, you can still probably find it on there. But it led to this CatalystGym.com website that was completely unprofessional. And all the blog posts and articles that I wrote on there were like rants. Like, hey, if you do P90X, you are wasting your time. If you're a runner, you need to be doing squats and deadlifts to make you run faster. You know, I was really kind of firing these big Hail Mary lobs out into the audience and hoping somebody picked them up. The problem was 
Nobody wanted to read that stuff. If you're a runner, you don't want to read that you're doing it wrong, especially from a guy who's never run a marathon. If you are a weightlifter, you don't want to read, hey, you need to be doing sprints because that's not what your other coach told you and it's not what you want to believe. The bottom line here, folks, is that people don't listen to sources who are telling them what they need. They're listening to sources who are telling them what they want to hear. The internet is an echo chamber. People who want to believe that Donald Trump is the answer will only seek out messages that reinforce that belief. This is more true in our common culture than it's ever been. Is it my job to change that? Absolutely. Is it my job to change that overnight? No, you can't. You can't turn a train on a dime and people are entrenched in their beliefs. So when someone came in for a no sweat intro 10 years ago, I thought my job was to argue with them to convince them that my service was better, to contradict everything they already ever knew, to educate them. I thought they were starting from zero and I was taking them to 100 in that hour. That was dead wrong. What I was saying was, this is better because, but what they were hearing was, you are wrong. The things that you believe are wrong. You are not as smart as I am. When you study psychology and behavioral sciences and the science of change a lot, what you learn is that you have to start by agreeing with people If you want them to change their minds, it's relatively simple to get somebody to change their minds, change their habits, change their behavior, change their life. If you start by walking in a parallel line, but if you hold up your hand and say, stop, they're not going to change and they're probably not going to stop. So if I really want to change a client's life in a meaningful way, I want to look at their relationship as a 30 year span. Over time, can I change the client's life by getting them to adopt the strategies and the habits that they should adopt? Yes, absolutely. But I can't do it today. I can do 1% change today. I can make them like me enough to come back tomorrow. And then tomorrow I can make them like me enough to believe what I have to say. And after they've believed it for a while, they might actually take action on it. But that takes time. And without that relationship, they'll never take action. So when somebody says, why don't you tell a client what they need to hear instead of what they want to hear? It's because what they need to hear is what they want to hear. That's how we start. That's how we change things. This is also true with your staff. Your staff will not always want the same thing, just like your wife won't always want the same thing. It's important to ask your staff every three months, and your clients, and your wife, what do you want now? Not because you're second-guessing your relationship, not because you're offering them an opportunity to do the same thing, but because what they want changes, and you need to know that. If you're going to plan a path to success for your clients, for your staff, for yourself, you need to constantly be asking all of those people, what do you want now? We are driven by what we want to do, not what we need to do. Next question, what are your top tips for content marketing? This is one that I've been savoring because I've probably got a list of top 100 tips for content marketing. I love producing content. When I was a kid and my parents said, what do you want to be? I said, I want to be a storyteller. I didn't know back then how powerful stories can be, the effect that they have on our brain and how we can use them for good. Most of my content started as stories. If you look at Two Brain Business, there's a lot of analogies in there, a lot of great anecdotes, but there's not a step-by-step guide. That came later in Two Brain Business 2.0 after I finally learned that to be an effective 
content marketer, you have to be able to produce replicable action. And so it's been my goal for at least the last three years, every blog post, every podcast, every video that we do should lead you to some kind of action. It's not just for listening. You're not here to view. You're here to participate. So my first rule of content marketing is don't wait. A lot of people will wait until they have the perfect camera to shoot a video, or they'll wait until they have uh, an optimized YouTube channel to publish one, or they'll wait until they have the perfect thing to write about before they publish anything. In the online world, quantity is still more important than quality. I hate to say that, but it's true. At TubeBrain, we publish every day, and every single one of those blog posts, videos, Instagram, social media, uh, video, you know, whatever – Every single one should teach you how exactly to do something, should teach you how to take one positive step toward building a better business. That is our mantra. But if you're just tuning in now, welcome. You probably haven't read our stuff about the 4 nice model before. You probably haven't heard about entrepreneurialism before. Or maybe you've heard those things from another source and thought that it came from them. And that's why it's because our attention is so fleeting that if I haven't been in front of you until now, then you haven't seen all that stuff in the past. You haven't seen all the stuff that Greg Glassman wrote on CrossFit.com in 2001 because you're just joining the show. That's okay. So the second rule of content production is repeat yourself. Not everybody is paying attention to everything you do all the time. The people who are reading your newsletter probably aren't seeing your Facebook posts. And the people who are following you on Facebook might not be on Instagram, might not listen to your podcast, might not even know that you have a YouTube channel. Maybe they've never been to your website. That is rule number three. Treat all of your content like it's fishing nets and your website as the boat. I see a lot of good stuff get published. I see a lot of bad stuff get published too. But the good stuff should lead people somewhere to your website so they can get more information. Some marketers will call this a call to action. I just call it giving them real help. I can give you a tip here. Let's face it. I can tell you, uh, sell more personal training. And that's going to increase your net worth. But frankly, it's just the door. You need to open that door and you need to follow it into real mentorship. That is not going to save your business. More money is not going to save your business. Solving one little thing is not going to save your business. Building a real business is. And so the content that I create leads people to our mentorship program. Some of this content is so valuable, like the Intramural Open, that it gets copied a lot. Or maybe people implement it and they make a lot of money and they stop there. Okay. But that's just the door. So when you're producing content for people, you have to ask yourself, what problem am I solving for them? And then what's the next step they should take? For example, people are not following your YouTube channel because they want to learn how to do thrusters better or how to do more double unders unbroken. They're following you or they will follow you because they want to learn how to lose weight the easy way. Okay. So you need to lead them back to your website from there. Maybe you've got some content and I wouldn't go so far as to call it clickbait, but all you're doing is bridging what they want again with what you know. That's what the content marketer's job is. Bridge the result they want to get with your service. So if you lead them back to your website, they'll find out the next steps they should take. If you do a great social media post about fat loss, that's awesome. But if it doesn't lead anywhere, 
then they won't take any action. You're not actually helping the client do anything. The number four, and maybe I've even repeated myself here because the number four rule is repeat yourself. Publish a lot. My number one competition in the CrossFit and gym and fitness space right now is actually my old content. People sell old videos that I shot in 2014. No kidding. People quote my stuff verbatim from books. Sometimes they even cross the line and we have to get a little bit legal on them. But there are very few people producing original, helpful content out there. This is good. If I'm going to compete with anybody, it's myself three years ago because I know way more and that stuff is way outdated. You need to be publishing a lot of content. You need to be doing this regularly and you can't stop. We do 30-day content challenges in the Two Brain family to get people going, to build some momentum, to get them rolling on the flywheel. But they can't stop. They need to be producing stuff all the time. The reason that we do a 30-day challenge is because this helps them get in the mindset of, I can do this. It makes them hit publish instead of waiting for perfection, which is tip number five. It doesn't have to be perfect to be good. When I'm talking to really high-level entrepreneurs, a lot of them suffer from imposter syndrome. And I went through this in 2009, 2010, which is, who the hell am I to be giving this kind of advice to people? What I've learned over time is that I don't have to know everything. I just have to know one thing that you haven't had to experience yet to be helpful. If I can save you from one little tiny bit of pain, it is my moral obligation to do so. And that is my life's work, frankly, saving entrepreneurs from the pain that I've already been through. That's where all of my content comes from. Now, I do produce a lot of stuff on the coaching side too. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. Because when I see an area that needs help, I feel compelled to help. And the way that I help is not by throwing myself under the bus. It's not by joining an organization and trying to change it from within. It's from creating content that triggers thought. Back to being a storyteller. If you can share a story about how you've overcome some challenge. And I talked about the hero's journey a few episodes ago with Jason Cohen. If people know, hey, that guy's a gym owner just like me and he overcame this actual thing. He's not just some business guy who sees an opportunity in the CrossFit market or to sell a website subscription service or to sell their you know online coaching thing. You're far more believable. That is why Two Brain in a year went from zero clients to the largest mentoring agency in the world for gyms because we've been there. We actually own gyms. And that's the first question you should ask of any authority. So when you're reading something from a movement expert, ask them how they've overcome that movement challenge themselves. Or is it all theory? When you're reading something from a marketing expert, ask the result that that marketing has had on their business with actual numbers or else it's all theory. And when you're producing content yourself, tell a story instead of sharing a theory. If you haven't used the four nights model in your gym, don't talk about the four nights model. If you haven't developed coaches or had a coach quit or had a client quit or had a big blowout or bought a building with your own money, don't talk about those things. Stick with what you know. It's the writer's number one adage. The last rule of content marketing is to keep it simpler than you think you have to. I really recommend listening to the StoryBrand podcast. You need to cut your message down to the quick. No backstory, 
no extraneous stuff. I know I'm, I'm guilty more so than anybody else. You need to get to the point. You need to have one point per piece of content and you need to get that out there front and center with no confusion. If you have two points to make, that's two pieces of content. This next one is related. And this was a serious question somebody asked me. It wasn't sarcasm at all. They said, why should I pay for your stuff, your mentoring program, when it's so expensive, $24.99, and all of your stuff is out there for free? And the answer is that you don't know what you don't know. The stuff that we publish for free is literally the tip of the iceberg. It's less than 10% of our total content. It's a lot. We do publish every day, but we publish even more for our two brain family. We have 85 video modules covering everything from how to coach better, how to run a class better, how to set up your books, what metrics to track, how to solidify things, how to take a damn vacation to legal stuff like non-disclosure agreements, when you need those, how to set up partnerships. We publish a ton of content. We also talk live with affiliate owners every single day, usually about 71 hour calls a week between myself and the other two brain mentors. So the stuff that we put out there for free is meant to help. My mission in life is to help gym owners succeed and entrepreneurs succeed. But the stuff you see for free is a tiny fraction of what's actually available in the mentoring program. Can you use the stuff that we put out there for free or the books? Absolutely. For my books, royalty is about $1.19 if you pay full price for it. And I'm more than happy to let you have that knowledge for $1.19 if it means you can take action. But as my buddy Alex Altherington did, he bought the book. He implemented the No Sweat intro, which is right in Two Brain Business 2.0 with the full script. Within a month, he made $3,500, which more than paid for the mentoring program incubation stage. And he signed up and boom, that's when things started to explode. So look at the free content that you take up as the fuse that should be lighting the dynamite, not as the explosion. How do I fill CrossFit Kids classes? This is a fantastic question. And I'm actually writing an article on this for CrossFit Journal right now. Thank heavens that these guys are open to putting business advice on CrossFit Journal now. Thank Mike Workerton, Greg Glassman, Savon, Tyson Oldroyd. Thank you guys. The article on how to fill your kids' classes is coming out in the next couple of months or so. But here are some tips. Marketing to kids is a lot different than marketing to adults. On adults, you can convince them of the virtues of your service. You know you should exercise. This makes exercise fun. With a kid, you have to sell the fun part first. They don't care if they're not squatting properly. They don't care if they get exercise. They don't care if they're eating Fruit Loops all day in front of the Cartoon Network because they don't care if they get anything done. They don't care if they're productive, in other words. The way that you sell the small kids is you let them try it. We call this the Cocoa Puff strategy. So you bring them in any way you can, you let them try it, and then you send them home with some information for their parents that just outlines how to sign up because the kid is going to sell them. If you have small children, you know if there's a toy they want, they are eventually going to get it. They have strategies far more powerful than any other marketer. They can work on you 24 hours per day. They got that whole cuteness and empathy thing going for them. And if they want you to spend your money, you will. So with little kids, get them to try it. Invite them in for a birthday party. Host the birthday party of one of your members' kids. If they're old enough to be on a sports team, offer to help the sports team by having an end-of-season fun day. 
Older kids are slightly different. Older kids are more socially attuned than intrinsically attuned. That means if you can get their friends, you're probably going to get them. They don't want pleasure for themselves. They want to be part of the group. Okay, I've said that three different ways now. At our gym, social media for the teens is far more important. But to bring the teens in, you have to help the parents overcome their fear of resistance training. So when we market to the teen population, we do go after sports teams. We invite them in for testing instead of for a fun play day to wrap up the season. We invite them in for a nutrition lecture because, you know, I don't want to see athletes have nutrition problems. We invite the team in to try this thing. We might also invite teens to come in and try it like a Ninja Warrior course. With the teenagers, we probably don't use the word CrossFit as much because now they have a specific goal they're working toward. So I would be more likely to say, here is a soccer development program at CrossFit Catalyst that I would say, try CrossFit for teens at CrossFit Catalyst. And I hope that makes sense. But parents of teenagers or young adolescents, you also know this, eventually they're going to get what they want too. It's just the way it goes. And so you have to make sure that you can help the parents overcome their fear. The only thing that would stop me from letting my kid do something fun and interactive like CrossFit would be the fear of injury. So if you show me some data, give me some logic that helps me overcome that fear, I am all in. And I cannot say no to my teenager who wants me to spend 150 bucks a month on something where they can go get fit and enjoy it. What parent could? So produce some content talking about the value of resistance training, how safe it is, what we do in CrossFit, why kids shouldn't specialize in sports too early, how CrossFit produces this well-rounded athlete that's healthy for life with a pursuit that they enjoy. Next question, who are your mentors? And this also happened on the OPEX episode. Somebody asked James who his mentors were, and he was pretty honest about it. So I will be here too. First, I do have several paid mentors. Dan Martell is one. You can look him up at danmartell.com, I believe. Uh, Dan and I met at an event. Uh, Seth Godin was on stage. Gary Vaynerchuk was on stage. Dan Martell was on stage. We started talking about CrossFit, and I hired him to help me with one of my businesses. I have another mentor to help me with another of my businesses named Dennis. But I also turn a lot to the Two Brain Mentoring team. Ken Andruco, I talk to when I'm trying to overcome something really tough in life. Jay Williams, I talk to when I'm trying to overcome something to do with business growth. Danny Brown, I talk to when I'm trying to solve a process or there are gaps that I know I can't see. Uh, Brian Alexander, I talk to when I want to hear yes. This is so important to me to be surrounded by these mentors that I actually hired Danielle to mentor the GM of my own gym. Catalyst is doing fantastic. We're having a great time. We're buying our second building. We're training more clients than ever before. But it's starting to look like the shoemaker's kids are going without shoes because I spend so much time and so much energy, 15 hours a day, helping other people with their gyms that I usually let Catalyst run on autopilot. And so the best thing I could do with money as no object is to hire a mentor from the Two Brain Mentoring team for my own GM. And now Jessica and Danielle talk every month. They plan out growth. They look at metrics. They say, here's what we need to do. I love it. It's fantastic to be both a client and the founder of Two Brain Business. I have coaching mentors too. You've met one of them. The last episode was Ray Gallett. Keith Martino is a coaching mentor to me in hockey, and I have other ones for different sports too. 
I am not a sports-specific coach. All I know is how to motivate kids. And I'm going to be talking about that in a moment. But when it comes to learning the specifics of a sport that my kids love, like hockey or lacrosse, I turn to mentors in that sport so that I can learn as much as I can to help my kids. Just like because of my firm belief in the movement, the opportunity for CrossFit gyms to change the landscape of health and fitness, I will do anything that I can to help a box owner, including holding myself accountable and hiring mentors to hold me accountable to help with the growth of my own gyms as well as two brain business. There are several different parts to mentorship. Some of mentorship is just modeling. You do that. If you're a healthy fit coach, you are modeling the behavior and the tactics necessary for your clients to grow, to achieve, and and to become like you. That's awesome. Another part of mentorship is accountability. And another part is foresight. Another part is detachment, the ability to see the big picture from far off in a distance and to remain emotionally detached from the situation so that you can make the best logical decision for the long term. Another part is reinforcement. When you're doing something right, sometimes you still need somebody to hold your hand. And immersing yourself in a group of like-minded people who are on the same path as you, who are going through the same struggles, is really what helps with reinforcement. This is the only reason we're doing a summit this year. I don't really believe in the teaching value of a one-day seminar as much as I used to, but I really believe in the value of immersion putting yourself in a room to learn and study and grow with other high-level affiliate owners is really, really important. So at our 2017 Summit in June, I'll be teaching all day, but we'll also be doing role-playing. We'll also be doing a lot of group discussion. We'll be doing a lot of collaboration. I'll be sharing a ton of resources, but I want you to discuss them with other gym owners. And while I'll be leading that discussion, it will not be a 12-hour lecture the way it has been in the past. Think of it more like, six hours of lecture, six hours of collaborative work so that you can actually take action and leave the weekend with work done instead of me just barfing more information all over you and being too paralyzed on Monday morning to get an ROI out of it. That's why we do a summit now instead of doing a roving lecture series because we have hundreds of hours of online video content And the mentorship is really where the strength of the program lies. Somebody that's going to guide you through the process around the stuff that you don't need, straight to the action that you can take today to make your gym better. Next question, why do you want to be a landlord? Why don't you want to coach? I do want to coach. I want to be able to coach for the rest of my life. I also want to be able to afford nice things and I want to have cash flow assets. So when I buy a building... It's not because I want to mow the grass, although I love mowing the grass. It's because I want to create an asset that pays me whether or not I'm going to the gym or not. Let me give you an example. And if you haven't read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I strongly recommend that you do. If you buy a building, you're going to take out a loan that's going to be roughly equivalent to what you're already paying in rent, maybe a little bit more. However, as soon as that building is paid off, probably in about 10 years, the business, your gym will continue to pay rent to you, not to the bank anymore, not to another landlord. This is how it becomes a cash flow asset. Let's say that your rent is $4,000 per month. And let's say that you can buy a building for about $4,500 per month. Instead of expanding your location, I would focus really strongly on how much revenue can I make from this space if I can own it. After 10 years, the business will still pay $4,500 in rent, 
but it'll be paying that to you. And so you'll be making just over $50,000 a year where you weren't before and doing the same amount of money. That is the value of owning a business. That's the value of owning a building that houses your business. I'm just about to close on my second building for another business. I want to form a two-brain center of excellence, do some mentorship for business in the local community because my community really needs guidance. I also want to be able to help coaches who coach sports, hockey, football, wrestling, learn the stuff that I've had to learn the hard way over the last 20 years. And so now I'm going to be able to do that in a space that's adjacent to my gym. That fire is really roaring in the background now. That's good. I'm going to need a good warm up before 17.5. Next question. What do I follow the intramural open with to keep this amazing feeling going year round? This has been an incredible year of growth for the intramural open. Last year, hundreds of gyms adopted it. I think we were up to about 700. This year, uh, about five different people claimed it as their own idea. That's how you know it's good. What you can follow it with, though, I think, is a period outside the gym. At least in my gym, and again, you know, I'm in northern Ontario, people are ready to go outside. We're tired of cycling the barbell and those friggin' dumbbells all the time. We just want to go run. So we're going to follow with a couch to 5K running group that we've done every year. You know, I sponsor a local race. This helps get people fit. About a third of the people in that running group will be my own clients, including me. I love it. There will be a bunch of new people coming in. We'll also be looking more uh, on outside type stuff and starting goal reviews heavily. During the rotation, during the uh, open, we don't do nearly as many goal reviews as we should. So now we have to backfill all that time, get our clients in, talk about their one-on-one goals and make a new prescription for them. A lot of those clients will now have performance-based goals for the first time. So they might have come in with an aesthetic goal, like I want to lose weight or look better. Now they've done the open for the first time and they have a performance goal. I want to get my first toast to bar. I want to link double unders before next show. I want to get pull-ups. This is a great opportunity if I'm running skill sessions or selling individualized programming to help the client achieve their full potential through those programs instead of maybe just a general common CrossFit class for the next three months or so. So that's another opportunity. We don't run an intramural program year round. Uh, My kid's school does that. I think it's awesome. I also think the novelty effect wears off. So we will be talking about a summer league. Members of the Two Brain family will get the full details from that stuff. Uh, I'm not going to share that because it also has the potential to get ripped off. But the summer league is basically like smaller teams of four in which you're matching uh, head up again and all summer long, you're giving points for attendance, completion, stuff like that. Very similar idea, very different implementation, but the same outcome, which is help the client show up more often and get fit, especially in those summer months like August when people want to take vacations, they don't want to train as hard. Next question, why do you talk about profits so much? Isn't that secondary to the results of our clients? Of course it is. We are in need of really important metrics and our clients' health metrics are one of those things. But if our gym doesn't stay around for 30 years, those health metrics are not going to improve and stay improved. The measure of your box's health is profit. There's no getting around it. It's not how many clients you have because you can be profitable with one client. It's not even how long you keep people because there are boxes out there with a really high churn rate. It's not your gross revenue because if you're doing $50,000 a month on retail with a 10% profit, you're not profitable. And we've got gyms uh, who I've spoken with 
who have multi-million dollars per year in gross revenue and don't make as much as the cab driver to drop them off that morning. Profit, my friends, is the market rewarding your success. It's the market's feedback on how well your business is doing. If you don't have great profit, well, you don't have a great business. That's the bottom line. You can go back to coaching. You can make a wage for somebody else who is profitable. But long term, if you're not showing a sustainable profit, you can't stay open. You can't make zero. As one of my business mentors told me, business is a lot like bodybuilding. There's no maintenance phase. You're either growing or you're cutting. In business, growing means increasing gross revenue. Cutting means trimming expenses. Profit first, that kind of philosophy. So profit is what I talk about most because it's the missing piece to the conversation for CrossFit gyms. For a long time, profit was a bad word. If you brought up the word profit on the old CrossFit discussion boards, people would throw rocks at you. Now we realize it's necessary to be sustainable for the long term. I think HQ is finally getting behind this and I'm really, really grateful to be part of that movement. Why does Help First talk so much about hairdressers and chiropractors? The truth is because our systems at Two Brain work for a lot of different businesses, not just gym owners. If you're in the service industry at all, you can benefit from the Help First philosophy and the lessons that are found in this book. Michael Gerber writes a lot about this in the entrepreneur, the e-myth, it's short for the entrepreneurial myth, in which he says the biggest myth of entrepreneurs is that being really, really good at your service is what makes you popular and makes you a lot of money. That is not the truth. What makes you successful in business is being good at business. We have found that the help first and the two brain methodology works really well in nearly every service industry. So we have clients who are in the real estate sector, who are chiropractors, who are physical therapists, who are massage therapists. People who sell a service benefit from this stuff. I don't talk about it on this podcast. I don't talk a lot about it in front of the gym community because the lessons in those industries don't always seem as relevant, but they're the same. So when you're running a CrossFit gym, you're learning these lessons faster than any other small business in your town. If you know about the Facebook pixel, for example, you're probably ahead of 99% of the businesses in your town right now. How can you help them? You can offer. You can say, hey guys, what do you know about Facebook marketing? Oh, I just learned this thing. Can I help you? A lot of two-brain clients forge strong relationships with other business owners by offering to help first and teach them these things that they've learned through the two-brain philosophy and teaching. Part of my new building will be a two-brain business center of excellence for local businesses. And uh, there are some people in the two-brain family who are already running business networking groups out of their gym. Because if you were to define the perfect CrossFit client, it's probably another business owner. They have flexible schedule. They have disposable income. They understand what it's like to run a business. They want to work out at 5 a.m. They don't want to think. They might want to do it in a group or they might not. I have a lot of great business owner clients and friends. I am very eager to help them with the new Two Brain Business Center of Excellence that will be opening in the next few months. You have met some of these other people on the podcast already. Matt Albrecio is completely changing the way we look at retail in the gym industry. He's been on this podcast. And Nicole Marchand has made it possible for a lot of gyms to offer a nutrition service 
where they couldn't before. She's automated the whole thing for you. You're crazy not to do this. She's been on the podcast. Two great examples. And next week, I'll be hosting a bunch of healthcare professionals who are going to talk about how implementing a subscriptive model into their practice can actually help them stabilize cash flows and overcome a lot of the problems that we don't even know about in their industry. That's going to be a fantastic panel. I'll be running that on Wednesday for members of the Two Brain family, and you'll be able to listen to it next Monday back on this podcast. As always, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy Two Brain Business 2.0, now available on Audible, finally, and have a fantastic week.